Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, speak to us here tonight. Holy Spirit, speak through us here tonight. Holy Spirit, speak in spite of us here tonight. Amen. So this guy's walking down the street when he falls into a hole. The walls are so steep he can't get out. A doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, hey you, can you help me out? The doctor writes a prescription, throws it down in the hole and moves on. Then a priest comes along and the guy shouts up, father, I'm down in this hole, can you help me out? The priest writes out a prayer, throws it down the hole and moves on. Then a friend walks by, hey, it's me, can you help me out? And the friend jumps in the hole. Our guy says, are you stupid? Now we're both down here. The friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. This is a story a friend told me a while back when I was struggling and I thought it was so wise, only to find out this friend was just quoting the West Wing. <laughs> and while prescriptions and prayers can certainly be helpful, this friend knew that neither was what I needed in that moment. What I so often need is just a good story, and I think that's what I love most about the Bible. It's a whole book of good stories, many of which go unheard. Of course, we can name all the protagonists. There's Adam and Esther and Jesus, but have you ever paid attention to the extras? You can do this when you're watching a movie. The first time you watch it, you pay attention to the main characters, but the second time you watch it, try paying attention to the background characters. The ones who might not even have lines. The ones who are listed in the credits as waitress number three or a man on the bus. Too unimportant to the plot to be given a name. The Bible is full of great extras, minor characters who don't make it on the Sunday school curriculum but are important nonetheless. The first people to commit civil disobedience in the name of God are two midwives in Egypt. They, along with Pharaoh's daughter, are the reason Moses lived to free his people. Did they know at the time that they were changing the course of history? Then there's the sex worker who was just minding her own business when two Israelite spies found refuge in her home. Or Obed-Edom, whose only... Mm, who's, mm, <laughs> sorry, let the record show I didn't plan swim team tryouts to coincide with my sermon. Or Obed-Edom, who only received the Ark of the Covenant because his house was conveniently positioned in King David's parade route. There's the Canaanite woman who reminded Jesus that his mission was for all people, and the young boy who happened to be standing near the disciples with his five loaves of bread and two fish, setting in motion the feeding of the 5,000, the only story to appear in all four Gospels. And I say all this because, do you ever feel like an extra in a movie? Like you're just a background character in a greater narrative? Like you're unimportant, like you don't really matter? Do you ever look at history unfolding in front of you and feel so insignificantly small? If this is the hole you have fallen into, then allow me to jump down because I've been here before. I know the way out. I've grown tired of arguing with the people I care about. If you tell me you are small and insignificant, okay. Sure, let's see what the Bible has to say about that. You'll notice a common theme in these pages that the people of God, that the people God chooses to move the plot forward are never the strongest, never the smartest, the people society would label as important and successful. God 
chooses a young Galilean peasant girl, Egyptian midwives, a handful of fishermen. God takes everyone who was picked last in gym class and says, I choose them. That's the team I want. Did you know that there are three times in the Bible, counting the Apocrypha, which I do, where God delivers the enemy army into the hands of a woman? Jail Judith and the unnamed woman from Thebes would have been considered unimportant and small and insignificant and all the other things you call yourself when you're alone at night. But God said, this is my team. It reminds me of an episode of my favorite show, The Office, in which the whole crew splits into three teams for a pub quiz. The teams are categorized by intelligence level, and the winners of the night end up being Team C, the four most underestimated characters. While some of the smarter characters call it a fluke, the show ends with the line, a fluke is one of the most common fish in the sea. So if you go fishing for a fluke, chances are you just might catch one. And think about how freeing this all is. When you feel small, remember that this is a religion of both and, not either or. Remember that we are made from the same clay as everything else on this earth. None of us can boast to be worth more than the tiniest piece of gravel, but none of us can dare say we are worth less than the mightiest mountain. You are no more important than the dust under your feet, but you're no less important either. Which is to say, on those days when I feel worthless, I remind myself that I don't have time for anyone who doesn't look at me with the same awe they reserve for the mountains or the ocean or the sunset, and neither do you. And think about how God wanted to know what that feels like. So he allowed himself to be born as an underdog. It's easy to forget that for the first three decades of Jesus' life, he really was just a background character. He was so apparently insignificant that no one felt like writing down any of his pre-miracle story, pretty much. Do you ever wonder if Jesus looked at the magnitude of human sin and suffering and felt small? Can you imagine Jesus in his 20s thinking, I'm supposed to save all these people? Maybe he felt a bit like an underdog. If you're hurting, if you're doubting your significance, or if you just feel like there's no point in being here, I've got good news for you. God has been here before, and she knows the way out. But like I said earlier, I'm tired of arguing, because there really is no argument. Tell me you're not important, and I'll just ask you to prove it. You see, there are so many characters in the Bible, many of whom aren't even given a name who show up for the briefest of scenes and in that moment change everything. Then they go on with their lives and we never find out what happens to them. Were they, were they aware of the immense impact that they just had? Did they have any idea that they just altered someone's life journey for the better or changed history as we know it? Odds are they had no idea. And if we are Christians, and if we choose to believe in this book of misfits and their stories, then don't we also have to believe that these stories hold true today to us? That you could be one of these extras, these background characters, these underdogs who have an incredibly important scene in the movie that is life, and you just don't know it. See, you might not be able to prove you are important, but you can't prove you're not important, and that matters. You will never 
have enough evidence to convince me or God that you don't matter. So when you're down in that steep hole and you feel small, know that God has always broken bread with the smallest among us. If you feel weak, remember that God chooses the weak to shame the strong and God chooses the foolish to shame the wise. If you feel unimportant, remember that you're part of a beautiful legacy of characters who may have been unimportant by all human standards, but had a much larger role to play in the story God is writing. And it's too cliche at this point to say you're not alone, because there are times when we do feel alone, and that is valid. So instead, I'll just ask you to call out from that hole Shout as loud as you can, even if all you can muster is a whisper. And someone will hear you. And will jump right down because I and God and so many of us have been here before. And we know the way out. <laughs>